0: Welcome to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. This podcast tackles the hottest topics for the European accountancy profession. Get your need-to-know update from Brussels. Welcome to this episode of Because People Count. Last time we spoke about the EU reopening uh, from the lockdown from the post-COVID-19 period. We spoke also about the recovery fund that the EU was planning to put in place for a more sustainable and digital recovery. But before we get into the recovery period, we need to think and ensure that the financial resources that were deployed over this period, they're not just ignored or dropped in favor of recovery schemes. A lot of these recovery schemes, such as furloughing staff or mortgage holidays have been put in place by governments. So this is where this week's guest comes in, he's joining us to discuss how the public sector can manage its uh, counter coronavirus initiatives. And I'm very happy to welcome uh, Thomas Mueller, who is the Chair of Accountancy Europe's Public Sector Policy Group. So Thomas, can you please introduce yourself?
1: Thanks Andrea, Um, it's my pleasure. My name is Thomas Müller-Markesberger. I'm an audit partner at EY, and I'm the global leader for international public sector accounting. I'm representing the European accountancy profession at the project of the European Commission to harmonize public sector accounting, the so-called EPSAS project led by Eurostat. Furthermore, I was a member uh, at the Ipsos B, representing the German profession for six years until 2014, and since beginning of 2016, I'm the chair of the consultative advisory group, the CAG, to the Ipsos B. Um, Last but not least, I'm a member of the public sector group at the German IDW since 2002.
0: So we have a long list of qualifications as to why um, you're the man to talk to on this subject. So I'm very glad that you've made made time in your schedule to talk with us. Um, so first off, maybe we can discuss a bit about um, how the response to COVID-19, um, how was that different from the financial crisis in 2008,
1: 2009? Before we talk about the response, let's talk about what is different about the COVID-19 pandemic itself compared to the financial crisis in 2008 and 2009. Um, If we compare the COVID-19 crisis with the financial crisis from a macroeconomic perspective, leading institutes are stating that the economic downturn in 2008-2009 was strong, but it was not as abrupt as the current crisis. Especially the decision of most governments for complete lockdowns of the society life has led to whole industries having no or nearly no income uh, anymore. The financial crisis did not appear all of a sudden uh, to that, compared to that. Uh, it started in the financial sector and only bit by bit it reached the retailers and the producing sectors. So businesses at that time had the time to assess shrinking demand and adapt to these forecasts. Compared to that, during the COVID 19 crisis, there was no comparable response time, with the consequence that many industries were heavily hit at the same time. And to show that with just one example, in Germany, the number of employees for which businesses applied for state-funded short-time work compensation is already three times higher than the number of the whole crisis year 2009. So with that, you see the power with which uh, the crisis hit the industry.
0: Governments in 2008-2009, they were much more concerned with propping up banks. They looked it to the banking sector and they said, you need help now. Meanwhile, with this pandemic, it's been a lot of investment in the public sector, a lot of investment in uh, keeping people employed over this period. So what what do you see this meaning for governments
1: in comparison to 2008-2009? I think you already highlighted a very important point. Um, The first difference relates actually to the expenditure side of governments. Um, Compared to what we call the sovereign debt crisis or the financial crisis in 2008, the the impact of the pandemic is much wider. In the crisis of 2008, uh, European governments had to concentrate to support member states on one side, which had come into financial trouble. And as a consequence, the banking sector, which was closely connected with these governments as well. So bailout actions focused on the financial sector, as you rightly said, with huge amounts uh, being received by comparably few beneficiaries. In the current crisis, nearly every sector, as I said, was hit at the same time and is impacted in some form, some more, some less. So the COVID-19 pandemic has led to a complete shutdown of economies around the world. And the large extent of globalization with its worldwide dependencies has led to unforeseeable chain reactions, which went beyond borders and which went beyond sectors and industries. As a consequence, not only industries are affected, but also private households are suffering to a large extent. And therefore, and that is what you rightly pointed out already, bailout actions and support measures of governments this time have to cover impacts in nearly every sector and for uh, nearly every citizen, with smaller amounts being received by numerous beneficiaries, so numerous transactions uh, in the programs. And as a reaction, the coronavirus crisis has resulted in the most rapid deployment of government resources over major wars, as you can read already in the paper, which we have prepared and is available on the website of Accountancy Europe.
0: This is a great moment to to mention that, in fact, in Accountancy Europe, we've also offered recommendations in a paper that was released a few uh, weeks back, offering advice to the public sector. And we really encourage our listeners to take a look at that after they've listened to this conversation, because you'll find that it goes into even more detail than than we're able to in in this call. But sorry
1: to interrupt. Uh, you Coming back to these programs, I think the measures included, and you can kind of compare that uh, member state for member state and and country for country worldwide, it's kind of nearly everywhere the same. So the the measures included grants and subsidies for small and medium-sized businesses, liquidity loans, investment financing in the form of purchasing shares or bonds, credit guarantees, Deadlines for tax returns and payments, waivers for social security contributions or short term work compensation, as already outlined. So, you see already the kind of the multitude of actions and support measures um, which were undertaken. And obviously, speed was key in providing this support. So, in many cases, the usual pre transaction controls over expenditures have been necessarily relaxed. By the way, um, just uh, to mention that the deployment of resources had not been only limited to financial means. Just to give you an example, to deal with the massive increase of applications for short-term work compensation in Germany, the German Employment Agency had to mobilize 8,500 civil servants, um, which is 14 times the staff which is normally handling this process. So you see, it's not only financial resources being deployed, it's also human resources, procedures, which has been uh, increased in a short term. The challenge of providing transparency and be accountable regarding the use of these funds, and that's a key point for the short term now, within these complex and multi-transactional programs and the COVID-19 related impact on government finances is much bigger compared to 2008. And this is actually only covering the expenditure side. Um, The second difference relates to the income side of governments, which uh, we should not forget. Um, As a result of the multi-sector impact and the impact on private household income, the taxes to be paid by businesses and privates will drop significantly. Only for Germany, it is expected to have a reduction in taxes until 2024 of around 316 billion euros, which nearly equals the amount of one year's budget of the federal state. So you can imagine the impact on the income side. And furthermore, some of the support measures are granted by the tax system. So, for example, in Poland, uh, companies and businesses can deduct 2020 losses already from the 2019 taxable income. So you see that has already a kind of a backward looking uh, impact on the tax income. And additionally, like in many countries, self-employed people are exempted from paying Social Security contributions for a certain period. So also in the Social Security schemes, we will have a gap as a result of this dramatically increased expenditures and significantly reduced income, the government's debt will grow sharply. We will see that. And and uh, only for Germany, for example, that means new debts uh, in the amount of 150 billion euro, uh, which is a, a huge amount.
0: A lot of news organizations have shifted their focus. Up until now, while the lockdowns were in full swing, they were reporting on kind of government measures that had been put in place to support the economy, expenditure that was increasing over this time, and the government trying to somehow maintain an economy that had abruptly stopped. But then there seems to have been a shift in the last two or three weeks into this oh, we're in the reopening period. Let's talk about recovery. However, the public sector can't forget about this. They, they've they made these schemes available. They've made this money available. They've made these tax deductions and reductions possible as well to try and um, manage. A recovery uh, program is a great idea, but there is there needs to be kind of good governance on the side of the public sector as they manage the rest of the programs that were already put in place over the the COVID period. So what should governments do in the short term to to try and manage this?
1: I think you already mentioned the biggest challenge. First, I think the first challenge here is the traceability of expenditures. A lot has been done. So first of all, for the traceability of expenditures, it, it is necessary and it was necessary to include COVID-19 related funding in the budget. This is already um, an important point. And following the advice of the IMF, many countries such as Italy, Colombia, or Uruguay, just to look a little bit beyond uh, the European borders, are using or have created specific emergency funds or at least specific uh, budget items for COVID-19 expenditures. So it's much easier to obtain budgetary uh, reports and financial information about what has been spent, because that's the first point, what you need to really kind of identify what part of the expenditure is COVID-19 related. Just to take the example of Italy, Italy has centralized many COVID-19 measures within the National Emergency Fund, which has been refinanced with a total of 1.7 billion euro. As I already said, and that comes to the point of governance and control, um, some of the rapid response programs uh, had required and, and have already required the relaxation of controls. And we are covering this point in the paper as well. So uh, governments, in my view, should develop a control strategy according to the risk of uh, transactions with pre-audits for higher risk transactions to come and post-audits for lower risk controls uh, and lower risk transactions. And to enhance transparency about uh, governmental expenditure, some governments even created publicly accessible procurement websites, because this is also a point uh, we have already seen some fraudulent activities in the context of the COVID-19 program. So transparency in procurement is a very important uh, very important point. So, but in any case, it is necessary for governments to implement short-term follow-up programs of audits of significant payment made. And the Accountancy Europe paper is pointing to, to that point very specifically and Furthermore, governments should review the, in their internal control system and the effectiveness of internal um, audit uh, under times of crisis. It is under times of crisis where the efficiency and the effectiveness of these these measures are really proved. Facing inevitable tax increases in the future, I think we have to be we have to be clear that citizens' appetite for relevant information will grow, and therefore governments need to be ready to provide a high level of transparency in detailing the amount of support provided to beneficiaries. I think when, when we talk about reporting, it is really important that governments focus on the issues that are of high criticality. And um, in our paper, we highlight the uh, issues like growing concern for public sector or quasi-public sector entities, In many cases, governments will not be able to fund these organizations any longer or at the same level as in the past. So this going concern aspects are really important at the short term. And thirdly, I think we already mentioned loans and loan guarantees, which are a key element in many support programs. And governments have incurred a high level of uncertainty concerning these future costs. Only in Germany, for example, the total guarantees provided uh, add up to 820 billion euros. So you can imagine what that means in in terms of risks. And due to the relaxed controls and the likely global recession, there is a high high risk of default in, in the future for all countries. So it is important that governments in the short term prepare themselves for close monitoring of these loans and loan guarantees, and where governments do not yet have these information or the systems to provide it, it's a key priority for them to get ready and prepare these systems. When it comes to reporting, and that's the last point for, for short-term activities, um, because I think in uh, reporting for 2019, it's already important to have an outlook uh, uh, on 2020 impacts. And there are some really good cases. Some governments already responded to these risks uh, within their 2019 reporting. In Poland, for example, the Minister of Finance has issued a document on preparation and audit of the 2019 financial statements during the pandemic. So they clearly advised what to look at uh, in preparing and in auditing these uh, impacts of the COVID 19. And in the UK, a government website of, on government efficiency, transparency, and accountability contains already a detailed description on COVID-19 related measures and uh, how to kind of react on them in in the reporting. When we look outside uh, the EU, and uh, is a good example in uh, New Zealand, where the uh, government of New Zealand increased the release frequency of some of its regular data and commentary and developed a completely new commentary focused specifically on the impact of COVID-19 on the economy. And one last example, uh, if you allow, If we look in in Latin America, the uh, government of Colombia already in their 2019 consolidated financial statements provided disclosures regarding 2020 impacts of the COVID-19 crisis. So this is already providing forward-looking information. And this is what is needed for transparency for citizens and investors.
0: In the next episode. Thomas and I continue our discussion, going into the long-term advice for the public sector, the role for accountants, and how sustainability fits in. I hope you join us next time to hear more about this topic. Thanks for listening to Because People Count, the Accountancy Europe podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating or review and subscribe. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting apps. Get in touch. We are at AccountancyEU on Twitter, and you can contact me at andrea at accountancyeurope.eu. This podcast is presented and edited by Andrea Campbell with help from Elida Nijar. Our music is Fearless First by Kevin McLeod under a Creative Commons license. See you next time, because people count.